Uh, we're going to be in Ephesians for starting out today. If you want to turn your Bible to Ephesians chapter 2, and starting in verse 17. It's good to see you guys. It's good to worship alongside of each other and uh, just to be together. Um, I don't know, uh, you know, we look around in America especially, but you look around and you think of the idea of church and what is the idea uh, of church. Um, if you look it up on the internet, it says it's a building that religious people go to worship. Now, I'm not going to discount that. That scripturally is sound. The synagogue or the church was a place that gathered. But the church is much, much more than that. Um, I also Googled it, and when you type in church, uh, what pops up is a map with a bunch of dots on it. So they're trying to tell you this is a church, and that's a church, and that's a church. Well, you can go to that church, too. And it's almost like if I wanted to go find a donut shop, right? You type donut in, and you have the donut shops available, and you go there to find a donut. And maybe you look at the reviews and try to see what... What's the best place to go? Right, now, I get that with donuts. But with the church, we are the living, breathing body of Christ. We are, we are an organism, not a building, right? We are the people, the bride, who is living and active. So we have to get out of that mentality. And I think that those who attend and are part of a fellowship, right, a church, kind of understand this. But I think even you and I can kind of be blinded by the culture in this aspect. Uh, culture would say you go to church to get something go to church to, to be a consumer. I want to I look for a program or a ministry that, that meets my needs. And even churches, we set up ministries and programs to help serve people, right? We have a nursery right now where children are in, and we're serving parents in that way, right? But that's, that's because we love one another, right? Now, on the outside coming in, they're going to review and say, oh, yeah, they have a great nursery. You should go, to, go there because they take care of your kids well. Well, maybe, right? But they're looking for what they can get instead of what they can contribute and, and be a part of. So today, I really want us to dive in and, and look at um, the church. And, and we're going to look at and answer the question, what is the church made up of? All right? Can we do that? Yeah. It's, it's, there's three simple things. I think there's more. But the, these three things should keep us focused and, uh, and at least defining what the church should be constantly in our heart. All right? Because you, you and I are the church. All right? Let's get prayed up and uh, we'll get started. Father, we commit today to you and we... We thank you for your love. We thank, we thank you for your presence in our lives. We thank you that we are the body, the church. Give us insight and wisdom to what that means and, and how to live for you. We ask that your spirit would be here today, convicting us of sin, convincing us of truth, kind of moving us towards obedience and change in our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so scripturally, the church is made up of, ready, number one, the saved. The church is made up of the saved, okay? Uh, that's a big term, it, Christians, right? Believers, the redeemed, those who put their faith and trust in Jesus. So someone who calls themselves a Christian may not be a Christian, but someone who has actually put their faith and their trust in Jesus Christ to forgive their sin is a Christian and is now a part of that body, is a member of God's family, Amen. Check out, if this is that scripture in Ephesians. I think so anyway. Maybe not. There you go, thank you. When Christ came, he proclaimed the good news of peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access by one spirit to the Father. So then, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of God's household built on the foundations of the apostles and prophets, which Christ Jesus himself, uh, with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone. 
So the interesting scripture here, interesting passage, uh, Christ proclaimed the good news to us. You know, and I'm sure in, in some way in our lives, we've had somebody share the gospel with us. But it wasn't without the power of God through Jesus Christ that they shared that. Jesus, in the, in the message of the, of the gospel through, uh, of Christ, is shared by Christ, by his Holy Spirit, through others. The message of the gospel goes through this church to the, to the world around him, uh, to the world around us. God proclaimed the good news of peace to us who are far away and peace to those who are near. You see, all of us need peace, whether we're, we're really close and almost there or whether we're really, really far away. And I think you can look at your own life and, and put yourself somewhere on that scale. Either I was really, really, really far from God or I was pretty close, almost walking in the doors, almost, almost ready to let him in. But at some point, believers, Christians, had to identify and say, listen, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I've, I've wronged God. I've made mistakes. I'm not perfect. And, and listen, Scripture says that no one is perfect. Everyone has fallen short of God's glorious standard. See, God is a holy and perfect God, and we cannot attain that. So we have separated ourselves from God because of our sin. But Jesus, Jesus came to give us peace and hope through the cross. See, the wages of sin is death. So Jesus died for us that we might have life, that we might have peace with God, that that relationship is fixed and renewed and restored because of the cross of Christ. Through him, we have access to the Father. Right? John 14, 6, it says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through the Son. See, we have access to the Father through Jesus Christ, and that's what, what Christians, that's what the church has understood. That's why we're all here today, or at least most of us. Some of you may have ulterior motives. Some of you might be searching. Some of you might be the consumers trying to, to what we can give you and what, we, what product you can go away with. How good was their donut today? Right? That's, that's not horribly bad. I'm glad you're here. But what everyone else here has in common is that we have found peace through the blood of Jesus Christ, and we're here to worship and celebrate him because there is no other God. It's all about Jesus Christ. So then once we receive Christ, once we put our faith and trust in Christ, we are called the saved or the redeemed or Christians or the disciples of Christ, right? We're the brethren. We are part of God's family. And it went on to say you are no longer foreigners and strangers, right? There's these, these words. You are members and citizens of God's household. You are a part. You belong here. So what is a church made up of? It's made up of the saved. We are members and citizens of God's family. We are adopted into God's family as sons and daughters. You and I are family. And I've said it lots of times. That can get messy, right? But that's okay. We're part of God's family, and there's peace because of God and his spirit in that. The spirit gives us access to the Father through faith in the Son. We are citizens and members of God's household. Now, I want you to flip over to Acts real quick. Acts chapter 2. We're going we're gonna to be there in the next point, but I want to read something to you in, in uh, verse 41, I believe it is. So the church is made up of the saved. And, and the saved then are obedient to Christ. And I want to read verse 41 of Acts 2. Those who accepted his message, okay, right there, those who accepted his message, we just talked about them, the saved, they received Christ. They put their faith and hope in him. It says, those who accepted their, method, mes their message wa uh, were baptized. And about 3,000 were added to their number that day. There's something that identifies you as a believer. You see, 
The salvation that we gain through Jesus Christ is a private, inward decision that we make. It's a heart decision. You might think it's something outward, but it's not. You might think walking down the aisle, or you might think saying this fancy prayer in front of somebody is, is your way of being saved. God knows your heart, and God wants your heart, and God wants your heart to turn towards him and receive him as Savior. Whether it's in the quietness of your, of the, uh, and humility of your own spot in your own bedroom, whether it's taking a step in the aisle because your heart says take a step, uh, whatever it might be, you calling out to God privately from your heart is the way that you believe and are saved. But the, the way we identify with Christ outwardly, publicly, the first thing that he asks us to do is to be baptized. It's to identify with Christ and be baptized. That says, I'm not ashamed of Jesus. I want to follow the Lord Jesus' example. He was baptized. He went into the water. And, and I want to be baptized as well so, to tell people, I'm not ashamed of Jesus. I want to let the whole world know that he forgave me, that he saved me, that he cleansed me. The water doesn't do it. right? Your salvation is not based on the baptism. Your salvation is based on Jesus Christ and an inward decision you made. Private inward decision from your heart. But baptism is the public expression of that private decision. Now, we're a Southern Baptist church, right? The idea of baptism is strong. You're like, well, he's just a Baptist. He has to say that. every. No, you know what? Baptism is so important because it helps us identify with Christ in his, in his crucifixion, his burial, right? And coming out of the water and, his, and rising to newness of life with Christ. It, it identifies us in that. It's symbolic of what Jesus has done for us and in us and, and to us for his glory. And I encourage you in this, that if you're saved, those who are saved get baptized after they're saved. They were saved and they're baptized. Now, we're not going to do a sermon on baptism today. I'm just giving you some encouragement. You can, you can look it up. You can come talk to me, whatever you want. On August 14th, we're going to the lake. We have lake baptisms this summer. I've already got one signed up to do that. If, if you are in that place, you know what? I need to not be ashamed of Jesus. I need to stand up and say, I'm going to be baptized because it's an outward expression of what he did inwardly. Then, then let's do that. We, you know, I've talked to a lot of people before. Well, I, I was baptized when I was a baby or I was, I was baptized as an infant or a, or a small child. Okay? Scripture says the saved get baptized. Okay? And, and, and that's what we teach. So if you were saved when you were a child and you got baptized, great. But mo more often than not in those situations, church history and church culture and tradition has changed baptism into a baby dedication. Where, where it's, a, it's not a service necessarily for the, the child, it's a service for the parents and the child, where they de dedicate their child to the Lord and, 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 and are in some way hoping that this, this little baptism seals them for a certain period of time until they can make their own choice. That's not scriptural. Scriptural, biblical baptism happens after we get saved. It's a choice we make to go into the water and identify with Christ and rise to newness of life, proclaiming Jesus to the world around us, to, to our body, to the church around us. Right, so I wanted to segue that. If, you, if you're interested in baptism, let us know. Give me a call or, or come forward let me know. Uh, I'd love to sign you up for that if you haven't done that. It's an awesome way to, to have an outward expression of your faith to the believers around you. And that's what believers do. The believers were, were baptized. Okay, so what else, what else makes up the church? The, the, the first part that makes up the church are what? The saved, right? We could say the saved and baptized. The second part that makes up the church are the devoted. Number two is the The devoted. And this goes on from Acts, 40, uh, Acts 2.41 to 2.42. <clears throat> so after they were saved and baptized and, and, and 3,000 were added to their number, it goes on and says, they devoted, they, that is the body, the church, the believers, those who, were, who believed and were baptized, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. This is what they devoted themselves to. So 
the, the church is made up of the devoted. How many of you know someone who's really devoted to something? Like, like kind of obsessive, compulsive, devoted, right? We, we say the word devoted, and we read it in Scripture, oh, those are good things to devote yourself to. But let's go back. What does the word devoted even mean? Devoted means I'm passionate about it. Those are those who have a drive and, and excel and, and want to want to see something finished and complete and want to see a work done. If you're devoted to a hobby, it's it's what you think about often. It's when your free time comes up. It's like I want to be doing this. I want to be working on this project or or, or having this uh, relationship with a with a friend, right? There's a devotion you have, and it's all encompassing, right? It's something you you really commit yourself to. So when we are the church, we are the devoted. So. There's always this, this question now, how, how devoted are you? And this isn't a guilt trip saying, are you serving? Did you sign your little green card and, and sign up for a ministry? But how devoted are you? How passionate are you about being the body, about being the church? How important is this day to you? How important is every day to you waking up and saying, God, you're going with me. I'm the church. I'm the hands and feet of Jesus. I want to live a life that, that pleases you. How devoted are you? Is there a drive and a passion about the things of God, or are you here out of obligation? Or are you here out of guilt? Because that's not a passion. That's not devotion. And I want, so I want to look at a few things. Uh, we're going to break this down. They devoted themselves to. So the church is made up of the saved and the devoted, and here are the, here are the four things they devoted themselves to. You ready to go through these? The first thing they devoted themselves to was the apostles' teaching, or to the word of God. First uh, Timothy Paul gives us this exhortation, until I come, give your attention to the public reading, exhortation, and teaching. So the first part of this is give your attention, or be devoted to, be committed to, pay attention, be alert. These are things that, that the attentive or the devoted do. We need to pay attention to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation in, in teaching from Scripture. And this idea of paying attention is, is kind of interesting. Uh, we're paying attention... To avoid false doctrine. That's really what, what the whole scripture talks about in regards to teaching. Know what is right and, and flee from what is wrong or false. Well, how do you get to know false doctrine or know what is false doctrine? You know what true doctrine is. Right? This, this idea, the uh, counterfeit uh, agents, right, when they're, they're looking for counterfeit money, they, they don't learn and, and study counterfeit money. They study the real thing so well that when they come across the counterfeit, they know it's wrong. Right? They know the real thing so well that when they come across the counterfeit, they know it's wrong. I, I'm not the best at all of Scripture. I don't know the totality of Scripture, but I love it, and I, I've read a lot of it, and I've learned a lot of it. And every conversation I have, especially those outside the body, outside of, uh, of, of areas of, of um, church, right, doctrine, I'm listening and people might say something about doctrine or bring, bring a thought or an idea up. I am constantly testing it against what I know of Scripture. And, and there are sometimes I'm like, mm, I don't know. And it, I almost sound like I'm rude. But I, I, I want to be on guard. I want to be alert. I want to devote myself to the apostles' teaching, to the Word of God. And if I'm not devoted there, I'm going to fall for anything. We'll fall for, for some other mysterious thing. And, and listen, Satan wants us to fall. Satan wants us to be distracted. Satan wants us to not be devoted. This can't be a get-around-to-it book. We have to do something about it. We have to read it. We have to know it. We have to learn it and be on guard. We devote ourselves to the apostles' teaching. The next thing we devote ourselves to is to the fellowship. To fellowship. This is the, the one-anothers. And if you look, go look up Scripture and, and research this, there are a lot of one-anothers 
in Scripture. They devoted themselves to one another. They bear one another's burdens. On and on and on. There's a huge list. Go, go look it up. It's neat. But this is what it is. The fellowship is uh, this idea of koinonia is the Greek term of fellowship. It's a partnership. And, and listen, the fellowship is not just a characteristic of a church or a program in a church or a ministry in the church. Right? We, had, we had a fellowship committee in our church, which was a great committee. There's nothing against ministries. They, they serve the purpose of establishing and, and providing opportunities for us to fellowship. But it cannot only be a characteristic of a church. Fellowship has to be a way of life that we devote ourselves to and we devote ourselves to one another. That's what fellowship is. Check out Romans chapter 12, 4 through 6. Now as, now as we have many parts in one body, right, one body, the church, and all the parts do not have the same function, in the same way, we who are many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. See, we are one body. There are many of us, many different members, many different gifts, but we belong to one another, Scripture says, that we are to partner with one another. According to the grace given to us, we have different gifts, and that's the first part of uh, 6, verse 6a, and it goes on a list of gifts. We have a lot of gifts, a lot of ways to contribute, a lot of ways to serve, a lot of ways to, to give. And that's what we're talking about when we talk about fellowship. It's like, I'm going to belong. I have something to bring to the table, to give, not just to take. Now, that's, it's true that we can be a, both a blessing, right, and be blessed. At the same time we're being a blessing, we will be blessed as well. We, we do receive that blessing. But our, our first priority is to belong and to partner and say, how can I be a part? How can I balance out this body? What contribution has, is God asking me to make? We need to think of ourselves as a partner in the church, someone who has something to bring. And we belong for the benefit of each other and for our benefit. So they devoted themselves to fellowship. And, and this, this idea of fellowship is an, is an intimate fellowship. It's not a sexual intimate, but it kind of has that, that idea of, of really getting to know each other, really caring for one another, really taking the time out and, and saying, how are you? How can I be praying for you? How can I encourage you? How can I might maybe meet a need? I, I love the idea, the idea of, and actually the execution of, small groups in our church, community groups, and, and, and Bible studies on Sunday morning. It's a smaller group of people. You get to know each other. There's a fellowship that's there that, that can't be ignored. It can't be, can't be hidden. And it's, it's important to be together in this. We aren't Lone Ranger Christians. That's not what makes up Christians. That's not what makes up the church. It's the body. It's all of us being together. The next thing they devoted themselves to was the breaking of bread. So the breaking of bread. Now, there's two, two kind of schools of thought on this. One is that they devoted themselves to having meals together often, eating together and sharing that, that experience together and sharing that experience of Christ together. Baptists have really embraced that tradition, right? Potlucks, right? We do potlucks, and that's we, we fellowship and eat together that we might be united around Christ together. The other thought of this is that it's actually communion. It's, it's that we meet and we lift up the Savior through communion, that we remember his body and remember uh, his blood. And, and here's a scripture out of, uh, nope, nope, next one. Scripture in 1 Corinthians 10, 16 to 17. The cup of, uh, the cup of blessing that we, that we bless, is it not a sharing in the blood of Christ? The bread that we break, is it not a sharing in the body of Christ? Because, because there is one bread. We who are many are one body. For all of us share that one bread. Now, this is a partaking in and remembering the Lord Jesus, whether we're eating a meal together or whether we're actually taking, the, taking communion, 
on Sunday morning together. We are, we are about remembering the one bread as one body and lifting up our one Savior, Jesus Christ. The idea of devoting ourselves to the breaking of bread is that we would devote ourselves to lifting up the one true God everywhere we go, in every way. And as we, as we unite over a meal, I, I talked about this last week, the importance of fellowship, the importance of having like-minded people in your life where you can sit down, you can take a breath, and enjoy the company of those who lift up the name of Jesus. We are about lifting up the name of Jesus. And whether we, we eat a sandwich today after church or whether we take communion, we've got to remember his broken body and his poured out blood for our, for our benefit, our behalf. And we had to lift up the one true God. Finally, they devoted themselves to prayer. Colossians 4.2, devote yourselves to prayer. Stay alert in it with thanksgiving. This is just an attitude they set, they, they, they set up. Listen, they didn't have it all. They didn't have the great, great life they thought they, they, that, that culture says they ought to have. But they had Jesus. And they, they were thankful for that. They were thankful for the blessings he gave them. And they, they stayed alert. And this idea of staying alert has been kind of a resounding theme through today, through today's message. Staying alert means I, I need to pay attention. I need to see a need. I need to meet a need. I need to be alert for what, what Satan might be trying to do to my family and rebuke him and, and send him away. I need to, to pray over my family, pray over my wife, pray over my children, pray over my friends, pray over the body of Christ that we might be effective in the ministry that he's called us to be. See, devoting ourselves to prayer means I am devoting myself, myself to humbly seeking the Savior in every aspect because I can't do it without him, because we can't do it without him. I want to seek the Savior who is the source of our, of our growth, right, the source of our, our unity. He's the source. We aren't, so we pray to him. Devote yourselves to prayer. So that was number two. They devoted themselves or they were devoted, they, they were the devoted, right? The church is made up of the devoted. So finally, number three, the church is made up of the intentional, of the intentional. <clears throat> Acts 1.8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Jesus' spirit rests in us and on us for a purpose. It is not just to feel good about ourselves and feel good about what Jesus has done. Although, listen, I have a great hope and a great joy in Christ that sustains me. But he says, I'm giving you my spirit for more than that. I'm giving you my spirit that you might be my witnesses here, there, and everywhere. It's good to write in your notes, here, there, and everywhere. God says, to the uttermost parts of the earth, I want my name to be famous. I want people to know about Jesus Christ. Listen, if we have a great relationship with Jesus Christ, if we have a hope and a joy in him that can only come from him and that we surround ourselves in fellowship around the one true God, why are we going to keep that to ourselves? Why would we not share that with as many as we can? Listen, the church is made up of the intentional. I think this culture has given us this this idea of retirement, right? You know, I'm talking to Pastor Stan as he retired. I, I, we had a great talks about this because he has no intention of just kicking back and resting, right? And the idea of fishing and having coffee every day, and, and that's not what his, is in his mind. His mind is, great, I get to work for free now. 
he came down and visited uh, with us oh, a couple weeks ago. He, he dropped something off for us. And he was talking about the church he had been visiting and how they're a little, a little different than our church in the way that they greet people. And you know Stan. I mean, Stan loves everybody, and he's wanting to give hugs and, and get to know somebody. And listen, he goes into a church as a visitor. He's making the, the longtime people, the members there, feel uncomfortable because he's acting like he's a member that's been there forever. Hey, how you doing this morning? Good to see you. What's your name? Uh, and it just kind of startles him, right? And so he has this idea. He's like, I'm going to go in there and wreck their greeting program. And just, like, that, that's his ministry. He's going to go and love people so people feel welcome and feel a part of the family and a part of the body. Retirement is not just to, to sit on the front porch swing and have my sweet tea. I'll get to that sometime. Listen, I love sweet tea and I love sitting on the front porch. But it's not the end, right? It's maybe a means to an end. I, maybe it's for refreshment and for, for rejuvenation, for Sabbath, for rest. Maybe it's to, to just commune with my God for a minute before I go down, get off the porch and go down and tell someone about Jesus. Because I'm, I'm to proclaim him to the uttermost parts of the earth. It's okay to have your sweet tea. It's okay to sit on your front porch in your rocking, rocking chair. It's okay to go camping or get, take your travel trailer out. But listen, retirement is not about picking, picking up seashells from the shore and playing softball. Retirement is about to the uttermost parts of the earth. Life is about to the uttermost parts of the earth. Work is about to the uttermost parts of the earth. Jesus has given us his spirit so that we, the church, would be intentional to the uttermost parts of the world. world. Amen? We're intentional. He gave us this, this, uh, this commission, the great commission. Matthew 26, 28, I'm sorry, 16. It says, the 11 disciples traveled to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, they worshiped, but some doubted. Then Jesus came near and said to them, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Okay, so these guys are doubting a little bit. These guys are a little like, oh, okay, we'll see what happens here. He just rose from the dead. Is this really Jesus? And he comes up and says, listen up, I'm Jesus. All authority is mine. I'm the boss. I'm the general. I'm here to give you your marching orders. Are you ready? And he goes on and says this in verse 19 and 20. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. That Jesus is going to be with us as we do this. He gives us these marching orders. And this word go means as you go. As you Go, wherever you go, as you work, as you play, as you go. It doesn't mean, oh, hey, we have a mission trip next week, we're going to go. No, you, you have a mission trip today as you walk out those doors. You're entering the mission field as you leave the gathering. Amen? That when we leave, we, we are the hands and feet and face of Jesus, and as we go, we need to be proclaiming him to the world, helping others be saved from their sin because of Jesus, to help, help others put their faith and trust in him. Help others devote themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayer. And help others become intentional as well. We ought to be making disciples who make disciples. Scripture says older men, you ought to be pouring into younger men. Scripture says that older women, you should be pouring into younger women. Which means we should have a mentor ahead of us and over us. And we should have someone we're pouring into and investing in. Because it's about the kingdom of God. And he's with us always. Part of him being with us is a conviction, I feel, sometimes. I get up and I'm not so intentional and God says, I'm with you, I'm here. 
let's get to business here. Let's get down to business. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And that's when I put my sweet tea down and go to work. As we go, may the world know Jesus. Amen. Let's stand up and have prayer. <clears throat> Father, we, we love you. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your love. We thank you for Jesus. And God, as we've looked at the church today, we, we know that we, we fall short in so many ways. But God, I pray that you would encourage us, that we are the saved. We have hope because of Jesus. We've put our faith in Jesus Christ. He's forgiven us. He's made us new. He's adopted us, and we are now citizens and members of his household. God, help us to remember that every day. Help us to renew our minds with that truth. And God, help us to devote ourselves. Help us to have a passion and a drive for the things of God. That we would rejoice over the things that he rejoices over and that we would weep over the things that he weeps over. And God, our lives would look like the Savior. And God, our devotion would lead us to the uttermost parts of the earth. That the name of Jesus would be lifted up and celebrated everywhere we go. It's in his glorious name we pray. Amen.